I want you to open your Bibles to start with in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Daniel chapter 7, we're going to look at several scriptures today. But today will be part two of the courts of heaven. We're going to talk about the books of heaven today. It's a little Bible study that we started last week. Uh, we want you to get a revelation of the courts of heaven and understand also that um, prayer unlocks things in heaven. It gives God the legal right to intervene and step in. God stands ready to intervene into the arena that we live in, but he's delegated to us dominion and authority, and he won't override that dominion and authority unless he's asked to, to step in. So we have to learn the approach to God and to the courts of heaven, what it's all about. Seldom have we been taught about procedure and protocol in the courts of heaven. I think that we've even confused maybe when we've jumped out when we have adversity come against us and, and the adversary comes against us that we jump out and start battling him before we actually even get a judgment from the courts of heaven and legal right to do that and really God's hands are tied it's just like if uh, in, a, in this world that we live in if something's going on and, and you take matters into your own hands before there's been any type of legal action or jurisdiction given then if a police officer comes they can't really do anything they can only act upon what has been issued from the courts right some of you know about that and so have to give them that opportunity to act upon some decree or some judgment that has been a verdict that has been given from the courts and the same way happens in the the courts of heaven we looked last week at some procedure and operating in the courts of heaven and uh, kind of gave an overall view of it if you didn't get the, if you weren't here or you'd like to get that message, you can either ask for it by CD or you can go on our podcast and, and listen to it on the podcast. But we need to understand that um, prayer has a lot to do with it and, and that there's a difference. And as we said last week, that Jesus taught, there's three places in the Bible where Jesus taught about prayer. Matthew 6, he taught about prayer and, he, and we address God as the Father. In fact, even the prayer in Matthew 6, he says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He gives other references about Father. The other pl second place he talked about prayer was in, in Luke, the, the 11th chapter, when he says a friend uh, had a friend that stopped by and he didn't have any provision, so he went to another friend and, and asked him if he would help him with some provision for his friend. And so we see that God uh, is, is our friend. Um, we can approach him. He's our friend. We can approach him and, and intercede uh, for our friend who's in need. So the third place that, that uh, Jesus taught about prayer was in Luke 18 when he gave reference and told a story, a parable about a woman who uh, had an adversary that was, that was coming against her and that she needed a, a judgment, a just, she needed justice in this situation and she came to, and as he told, an unrighteous judge and she pleaded and she kept coming and he finally ruled in, in, in justice for her. And Jesus said, if the unrighteous judge is going to do that, how much more do you think that the, the heavenly father who loves you, you know, the, the judge of heaven, how much more do you think that he would, would respond? And so he taught us then about that God, we should see God as father, or, and, and father in our prayers in Matthew 6, as a friend in, 11, in, in Luke 11, and as a judge in Luke 18. So we've been focusing in on that to see what we need to learn from that so that we don't just run out and start engaging the enemy and yelling and binding and, and loosing and, and all this stuff without any judgment from heaven. So we got to understand where to and how to, uh, to act 
and what we need to do. We need to understand God's purpose as well. Today, as we look at the books of heaven, uh, we're going to find out what, what they are, what, uh, where they're contained, what's contained in them, where they come from, and uh, what we need to know about those things. But let me just throw out something here. We're talking, prayer has a lot to do with this. And prayer really is not trying to convince God of our needs, and prayer is not informing God of our needs. I think sometimes we get confused. We think that we have to inform God that we have a need, or we have to convince God that we have a need, convince him enough that he might intervene. But the Bible says that God knows our needs before we even ask it. That's what Jesus said. He said that in Matthew 6.32, but you know that uh, your heavenly Father knows your need, that you have need of these things before we even ask them. So prayer is not informing God of our needs. Prayer is not convincing God of our needs, but prayer is connecting with God and cooperating with God and, and really giving, allowing him legal right to fulfill his purpose and passion for us. We need to learn how to cooperate with him. We need to learn how to agree with him and his purpose for us and then uh, allow him to, to intervene in our situation, in our arena here on earth. And um, so keep that in mind as we go through this. You turn to it, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. It says, D Daniel says, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat in verse 10, go down to the last part of verse 10. It says, Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. The court was seated and the books were open. God took his seat on the throne in the court of heaven and the books were open. Interesting thing. Look to someone and say, The books were open. What are the books? What are these, the books? What are these things? Uh, what do we need to know about them? Are they important to us? I think that they're very important. I think that one day we'll stand before God and the books will be open. And our life needs to line up with these books. You know, in the technical definition, the books are really a written record of all that God planned for us and his kingdom impact, if you will, that he has destined for our lives. It's a written record of everything that God's planned for us, the purpose and destiny that he has for us, and the kingdom impact that he desires for us to, to have in our lives. In the 139th Psalm, verse 16, we find out that these books really, there's individual books, that each one of us have a book in heaven. How about that? There's a book in heaven that has, or a scroll or a book, it's interchanged, that has your name on it. Um, in fact, if you want to look at the 139th Psalm, verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So before time began, before we were even uh, formed, uh, it says that the, the, it was written in a book. Uh, it says, you saw, all, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before me or before one of them came to be. We know that Jesus had a, a scroll. He had a book. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, it tells about it. In fact, quoting Jesus, uh, in Hebrews, or quote, quote Jesus, it says, It is written about me in the scroll that I have come to do your will, O God. Jesus was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. 
the Word, the written Word. It was written down about Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word becomes flesh. The Word about us needs to become flesh in our lives. We need to become a living testimony, a manifestation of the written book that tells who we are and what we are to do and our purpose in, in this life. And then when we stand before God, our life should line up with the, what's written about us. Wow, no pressure here, huh? <laughs> well, you say, well, my goodness, how am I supposed to know that? It's very simple. That's why we come to him. And we can come to him as father and find out about the books. You know, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's written in heaven, let it become manifested here on earth. That's what Jesus said, and he was a, a living example of how that was to take place. In John chapter 1, verse 14, that's where it says that the Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. Jesus, he had a book. We have a book. In fact, we find out that every individual has a book. There's a book, I think, written for every church. The purpose, every, every city has a book. Every nation God, uh, everything that has destiny and purpose, something is written about it. That purpose and destiny from God and from the counsel of God is written to be manifest. And that's how we're to know, you know, that's, that's what it should become. That's, how, that's what uh, uh, the purpose of everything is. Now, we know about that as we come before him. And as he expresses that, prophecy is simply a reading of the books. It's a, re a revelation of what is written in the book. It's revealed, and prophecy is God speaking through man to us. And so it is a reading, a revealing of what is written and what God's purpose is so that we can be on track. We can be lined up with what's written in heaven. What's contained in this book, or what, what is the book's? Um, or what's in the books, I guess, because we, we just looked at what it is. What's in these books? I have kind of gave you some of that, but look in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, and he gives a little key here of what's in the books. He says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 from the New King James Version, it says, uh, he's speaking of God, and he says, you know, speaking about what God has done, he says, "...who has saved us and called us with a holy calling." Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So before time began, purpose and grace was written down in the books of heaven about each one of us, about our situation, about uh, where we're to be, about this church, about this city, about our nations, and all things. And then we are placed here to bring those things into, into existence. We're to, to, to flesh them out, if you will, to make them a reality. What God has written and purposed before the foundation of the world, now then he works that through us, his church. Uh, the believers, individuals, individually and collectively, he works that into existence upon the face of this earth. Isn't that cool? You are part of the master plan of God. Purpose is what is written in the books of heaven. That's what they contain, purpose, destiny. Grace is the empowerment to bring it into reality. So in these books, he put purpose and grace. Grace is God-given desire and power to do his will. 
God-given desire and power to do His will. He even gives us the desire to desire His purpose to be done in our life. Paul many times would say, by the grace given to me, I did such and such, and I did this, I did that. How did he go about doing it? it was, he was purposed to do it, but how, was he, how did he fulfill it? By the grace that was given to him. All this has been allotted, and in, it's in the books, and it's been allocated to us through purpose and grace. Praise God. It, you know, it takes, really, it takes a lot of effort uh, to miss God's will. People do it every day, though. It takes a lot of individual skill and really rebellion to miss God's will. Yeah, he sends ministering spirits to help us along this pathway of purpose. Uh, he's given to us grace to help accomplish his will. Uh, he gives us revelation through his word. He speaks to us through prayer. You know, he speaks to us through prophecy. His word from cover to maps, the, the word of God reveals his purpose and his grace to us. It's amazing. But somehow or another we've missed it that it's in the books. So the court was seated. The books were open. Why were the books open? So things could be, a, be done according to what was written. If you go to a court, you know, they, everything's based upon the law, what has been decided. And what has been predetermined is right and what will, will uh, be the right procedure. So things are done according to the law. In the courts of heaven, things are done according to the books, what has been purposed and what has been written down, what has been predetermined, the way to function, the way to go. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He works in us when we allow him to work in us, to do his good purpose in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, the Apostle Paul tells them, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. So God works in us to work his purpose. And he tells us he works in us through, as I said, through the word of God, through prophecy, through prayer, through communicating with us, through directing us. And then he's given to us grace. And Paul says, don't receive God's grace in vain. He's given to us his grace, his God-given desire and power so we can do his will. It is his favor and favors for our life. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. It's already been issued before the foundation of the world. You can't do anything to, get, to deserve God's grace. It's his favor upon us and favors that he gives to us to help us achieve his purpose. So if we can, al if we can align with his purpose, there's grace that's been given to just help us we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? Well, where do the books come from? These books, the court is seated and the books were open. Well, where do they come from? We know that they contain purpose and grace in them. They were written before the foundation of the world. Where do they come from? They come from something that's called the counsel of the Lord, the counsel of God, the counsel of heaven. The counsel of God. What is that? The counsel of God. Now we know that when it speaks of God in Genesis, it says Elohim. And Elohim is a plural for God, meaning God the Father, God the, the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. 
So plurality, uh, there's a council. And, you know, I believe that the, the council of God, before all things came into existence, met together in, a, in council and determined what was to be and how it was to be and how it was to come into existence. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 18, you can make a little not, note there. Jeremiah said, but which of them, he's talking about others, which of them has stood in the council of the Lord looking to see or hear his word? Letting us know that there's a counsel of the Lord. And in that counsel comes the word of God, comes the, the will of God. The will of God is found in the word of God, and it's found in the books that, that we're looking at here. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when he said, Let us make man in our own image, that was out of counsel. They were talking. It was in a counsel. Well, uh, they were counseled together and said, Well, let us make man in our own image. And they said, Okay. And so they did. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit made mankind in, in the image of God. That was out of the counsel of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, is another reference that uh, says that whom shall I send when, when God was talking, said, whom shall I send and, and who will go for, for us? They were in counsel saying, who will we send? So assignments, we find out, assignments are determined in the counsel of God. Then written in the books of heaven... And then given to individuals or churches or cities or nations, assignments. From the counsel of God or counsel of the Lord, the books of heaven are written. These assignments are delegated then to individuals and to us. So basically before the Lord uh, releases life impacting messages or church altering truths or planet shaking revelation... There is a council in heaven that meets to determine these things or has met. And it's written down in these books and then it's revealed and assigned. These councils are for the purpose of deciding who will carry these messages forth. Amen. Isn't it cool then to line up with what God has already predetermined? That's amazing. And you know that it pleases God when we discover his will and when we line up with his will and we say, okay, God, lead me. I don't really know all of this, but I, I'm, I'm aligning with you and with your purpose and with your will. What is an assignment? An assignment is being set apart or marked for a specific purpose. God talks about when he sets them apart, that's, he sanctifies them. He sets them apart. And so God has sanctified us to a certain assignment. He set us apart for that. In the legal sense, uh, an assignment is a written form, a written order. It's a paper or sometimes a deed authorizing a particular action to be done. And so we find that in applying to the courts of heaven that that's in the books, that it's written down in those books. Pretty cool. Mark chapter 13 and verse 34 he says, Jesus told this, this parable, and really he was talking about in the last days, and he begins to tell this parable. He says, it's like a man that goes on a long trip. Jesus went on a long trip. He was here, but he went on a long trip. And he says, and he puts his servants in charge, and he says, uh, each with their assigned task. So he kind of lets us in, that he's gone now. He's in heaven. He's our advocate. He's interceding for us in the courts of heaven. But while he's gone, he's put us in charge and he's given each one of us our assigned task. Do you know what yours is? <laughs> he's put us in charge. How are you doing with that? How's that working for you, as Dr. Phil would say? How's that working for you? He's put us in charge. Whoa, are we in a heap of trouble? Or are we doing good on this thing? 
one day we're going to have to answer for how we did by being in charge. And he says, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many things. He's watching to see how faithful we are, how faithful, how full of faith we are to step in and then to do what he says to do, to take charge. In other words, to bring about and activate what is written in the books of heaven, activate them here on earth. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound put together uh, in a legal sense, you know, established and held together by fact. Whatever you loose or prohibit or permit here on earth will be loosed or permitted in heaven. Wow, we have that authority. We've been put in charge. So God has delegated that to us, and that's why we say that he won't intervene. He won't override that. Legally, he doesn't have a right. Satan can say, wait a minute, you can't step in. You already put them in charge. You gave them assignments. You can't just override that and step in every time that they, they mess up. So God's watching, and he's wanting to help. He's on the sidelines. And so when we can go into the courts of heaven and then give him a legal right and ask him to forgive us, whatever accusations that, that the accuser has brought about us, because it says in Revelation that he's accusing us day and night, when we take care and deal with those accusations, then God says, okay, and then we ask him to step in and intervene and work on our behalf, then he says, fine, I got it. <laughs> and he can, then can, can step in, he can intervene. Praise God. It's really simple. It sounds a little complex, but it's so simple. And you know, the other thing in Romans 8, 26, when we don't know what we ought to pray for, he says in, in Romans 8, 26, that we can pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray in accordance with the will of God, with what, what's been written in the books, because he was part of the council. He said, wait a minute, let's pray along this way. And so when we surrender and yield ourselves to the Spirit and allow him to pray through us, and it says there in Romans 8, 26, with groanings that words can't express, he prays then, and God knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit knows the will of God, and he prays in accordance with what has been written in the books, with the will of God. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we really, everything's provided for us. To line up, as complex as it sounds, we need a lot of help to miss it. And I can guarantee you that Satan, the adversary, is there to help us miss this thing. Well, we've got to choose to be in agreement with the desire of God that was made in this council. And when decisions uh, on earth are agree with the decisions in heaven, I want to tell you, powerful things happen. Powerful things happen. How many of you want to see powerful things happen? All has to happen is for uh, the decisions in heaven to line up with the decisions on earth, and then it happens. In Matthew 22, verses 20, 28 through 31, Jesus told another parable there, and he says that a father came to his sons. He had two sons, and he came to him, and he says, Go work today in my vineyard. And the first one said, Okay, I'll go work. And the second one said, No, not me. I'm paraphrasing this, of course. And so as they went, and the first one who said he would decided that he wasn't going to work in the vineyard. And the second one who said he wouldn't, he then changed his mind and decided that he would go and work and he would go obey his father. Hmm. Really what that says to me is, is that God's got a lot of mercy 
and dealing with us. And even when at first we don't accept his will or his command, that he works with us and helps us and he extends mercy to us that we can align ourselves with him. We're granted opportunity after opportunity to decide in favor with the decisions of heaven. Praise God for that. You know, like I said a while ago, to completely miss the, the intent and desire of God for our lives, it really does require a sustained rebellion uh, in, really in the face of, of God when he's faithfully dealing with us. Man, is that really how we want to live in a sustained rebellion? I mean, just continually keeping this rebellion up, refusing to do what God says. No, but you might miss it. You might miss it. You might have missed it. But there's always opportunity to come back and say, God, I missed it. But I'm, I'm changing now, and I will go and work in your vineyard. I will serve you. I want your purpose to come into my life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 30, why don't you turn there if you, if you can. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 30, really tells us a five-step process uh, of help to identify and really birth the intentions of God into earth. We won't go into detail on each one of these steps. That's a message or really could be a series in itself, but we will highlight them. In Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 29, it says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined. Now, we read a while ago that God foreknew us. Before time began, God knew us and He purposed us. He predestined. He predetermined. So he says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Be like Jesus, to, to allow what was written about us to be manifest on the earth. And uh, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. He assigned, he set apart, he called. And those he called, he also justified. He declared to be righteous. Through the blood of Jesus. And when we're in the courts, then we can apply, we can ask for the blood of Jesus to testify that we have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. And so he says those who he um, called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Are made full of glory. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The glory of the Lord, His abundance, the abundance of the Lord, His authority, His power, His wealth, His character is, is upon us. He glorifies us. He's made us full of God's abundance, full of God's authority, full of God's wealth, full of God's character. It's in us. Wow, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's what the Word of God says. Now, so we see what the books are. They, they are in heaven. It's the, the purpose and grace of God that's been written down. It comes from the counsel of God. It's been issued here. So the real trick is, uh, the battle, I guess, is to get what is written in the books to be manifest here on earth. That's the trick. That's where we engage opposition that's where the adversary meets us because you see I think he knows a little bit too about the books he's been in court before and he he knows some something about the books and so his 
primary objective is to keep what's written in the books from taking place in your life and my life and in this church and in this city and in this nation and the nations around the world. That's his primary concern. That's where he puts all of his emphasis and all of his attack is to hinder what the books, what's written in the books to be manifest here on the earth. You know, everything that is written in the books about you and about kingdoms, about nations, about purposes, uh, and, and about God's desires, it's going to be contested. Satan will contest it. He'll find something then to accuse us, to keep us from being able to step into that. He finds some way to try to hinder that. He, does, he doesn't want it to happen. He doesn't want that word to, to be fleshed out here upon the earth. You know, the, con, the, the contest for what is in the books that uh, is in the courtroom and not uh, this, this contest for what's written in these books, it's, it's found, it's a contest in the courts of heaven, not on a battlefield yet. And that's, as we mentioned last time, I think that's where we've confused it, that when we engage this opposition, we react and we go into a battleground protocol rather than a courtroom protocol, and we miss it, and Satan just keeps us over here fighting and shouting and Binding and loosing and rebuking and all those things. Hello. And that's fine. That's a skirmish over here, but are we accomplishing anything? Because it can't be changed until there's a legal right to change it. That we come into this verdict, this judgment legally. You know, we think, well, everything's going around good. And um, I don't know, maybe some of you, uh, either as parents or grandparents or friends, maybe you had a friend that there's been a custody um, case or something about and that maybe there's been a, a separation and one parent is, is trying to is one is desiring custody over the child and the other does too. They both want custody. But they've never gone to a court and got anything issued. That the judge has never said that you have custody of this child and you're going to determine domicile and all this stuff, you know. It hasn't been officially written down and a verdict hasn't been given. And so you're just going along your way, all right? You got the kids and you're just having fun, but all of a sudden the other uh, parent comes in and snatches that child and runs away with it. And so all of a sudden maybe y'all get in this big skirmish and you're hollering, you're yelling, you're shouting, no, you know, uh, they're coming with me and they're coming with me and here you're fighting and all this stuff. And so you call the, the, the police in and what does the police officer come in and do? Does anybody know? Where, where does that child go? Goes to the parent who has custody of it, who has control of that child, right? Well, that's not fair. I have that child. They've been living with me. I've been supporting them. I've been doing all this stuff. And the police officer says, I'm sorry, where, where's your court document that says that you have custody? Well, I don't have a court document. Well, I can't do anything then. I can't intervene because this parent has it. But, but you said, but that's not right. That's not right. You know, I love this child. I've been taking care of this child. I've been doing everything. They ran off. They haven't done nothing. They don't care. They're just trying to make me mad. He says, well, where's your document that says that you have custody? I don't have one. Well, you got to get one. When you get that, then we can act on your behalf, and then we can rule, we can, then we can uh, enforce that document. Sometimes we say, hey, I got custody. Devil, you get out of here. You can't have this. You can't have my child. You can't have my stuff. You can't have my car. You can't have my, get out of here, devil. I bind you. He says, yeah, well, I bind you back. 
Who do you think you are? Well, I'm a child of God. I take authority over you. Oh, yeah? Well, I take authority over you. You know, you don't have a right to do that, devil. Oh, yeah, I do. And then here you go. Yeah, well, and we can shout that. But do we have a document? Do we have anything, do we have anything issued? We can rebuke him. We can throw the blood of Jesus on him and everything else. He might jump. You know, jump back, get scared. But do we have anything to enforce that? We have anything that says that the judge said from the courts of heaven that says, here, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm the parent. Well, yeah, but we've got to have something now. Something's happened. There's been some type of turmoil that's happened that has brought about this thing, and Satan watched for a place to intervene. See, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Somehow or another, he got access you know, maybe you have a child that's not serving God, and, and you're like, devil, you turn loose of my child. He's like, I'm not turning loose of him. He made a decision for this and that, and so I saw access, and I got him. Well, he's mine. Yeah, well, I'm claiming him now. Uh-oh. Have you ever fought for a child that's away from God? You fought and fought and fought, and you've slapped the devil, and he slapped you back. <laughs> huh? I've been slapped down, I'm telling you. I got up slap, slapping back. But you know what? That's the wrong place to fight. It's not a matter of shouting and throwing a fit and seeing who can be the strongest. It's a matter of coming over to the judge and saying, I need a ruling here for my child. I'm standing in behalf of my child. And the devil comes, oh, well, you can't rule for them. I mean, they did this and they did that. They did this and they did that. And our advocate, our intercessor, counsels us. And provides for us that information that we confess then those things. That's what we're being accused of. And even more so, because, you know, in the court, the, uh, you're supposed to make everything known. Everything has to be known to the court. If you hide anything, you know, you're supposed to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If you hold anything back, then that gives, really gives place for that accuser to find something else to accuse you of. So we just get it all and we bring it and before that judgment seat and then we allow testimony to come in, the testimony of Jesus and, and the, the, the evidence of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us and he's justified us. And now then, we've been declared righteous and now we, have a, now we can stand before the judge and he can rule with, a, with justice and, and be impartial and judge according to what's written in the books and he gives them back... This is the parent. This is before the foundation of the world. We determined that they should have a dominion, have authority over this child to establish this. And so there it is. And that judgment comes down. Now then, what do you got? I don't need to talk to you, devil. Get out of my face. I ain't talking to you. You can holler all you want. I, no. Right? When you go into a court, who do you talk to? Talk to the judge. You don't talk to that other person. One reason, out of respect. Because he's the one that rules in the court. And so, and besides, what else do you have to say? You know, as soon as that he, that the devil opens his mouth, he's going to be lying. What do we have to say to him? Other than, get thee behind me. I got an order. I have an issue. Jesus told Peter, the devil has asked that he might sift you. He's watched. And he said, can I have right to, to try him? He says, but I have prayed for you, Peter. I stood on your behalf, and I prayed for you. And that you, you and for the others... Wow, you know, Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us. Satan's always asking. He's trying to seek to, if he can sift us to test our motives, to see if our motives are pure, if our motives are right before God. Wow, 
Well, you know, we've got to have this ruling. And it has to be according to the books and how it's been written and how we approach God. That we, come, we can come boldly then before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in the time of need. If, this, if we continue this series, we'll talk about courts, courtrooms and various courts and various places like we have the throne of grace as one and some other courts and, and maybe about those uh, testimonies in the courtroom and various things like that. We'll have to see how the Lord directs. But we need to be aware of these things. Then I think that we are exerting way too much effort, expending too much effort trying to fight the devil on the battlefield when we haven't got a ruling from heaven. Is that making sense to anybody? I'm trying to use a parallel maybe be between of what we can see in the courts here uh, and, and what then how God has to respond and make a judgment from the courts of heaven. So... You know, it's our job to, to see that his will is accomplished here on the face of the earth. To get that judgment in accordance to how the, the books have been written out. And then function in accordance with that. And then allow the ministering spirits that he sends in our behalf to have that legal right to intervene. Wow. You know, they're going to engage in tremendous warfare. When Daniel had been praying for 21 days, when the angel got to him and says, man... Daniel, God heard your prayer the first, day, the first day. And in response to your words, we have come. Well, in response to his words, Satan came too. And he's unleashed hordes of demonic spirits. And the angel said, we were engaged with the prince of Persia that over that particular region. He engaged us to hold us back because he didn't want this, this verdict, this judgment to come here. He said, but Michael showed up and helped us out. So I was able to bring this message to you, this verdict to you. So it could be carried out. Wow. I tell you, angels will fight. Those messengers from, from heaven that's been sent to in our behalf, let them do their job. But we've got to make sure that we're lined up with the courts of heaven, with the books of heaven. You know, and God wants us to walk in obedience to him. He wants us to walk in a right relationship. That's righteousness and a right relationship with him a right relationship with ourselves, a right relationship with one another. And when we do that, he says that we are overcomers. We're powerful overcomers. He wants us to do that. In Zechariah, that's Z-E-C, not the Z-A-C, Zechariah. This is Zechariah. In chapter 3, verse 7, it says something pretty interesting there. I want to read this to you and listen to this of why it's important for us then to live a righteous life, to live an overcoming life. Because, it, uh, well, just listen to this scripture. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 7, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This says, distinguishes him, the Lord Almighty, the one that rules over all things and makes judgments over all things. He says, if you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Wow. He talks about elevating us to a position. He said, have charge of my courts. Wow. People, God is looking for some overcomers on this earth. Those that will, can walk in victory. Victorious overcomers. You know, we see in the, the book of Revelation, the, this group of people that was taken up. And, and they set 
in his throne and around about his throne. And 24 thrones were set up and we see 24 elders there and four living creatures, which really is representative of a group of people. 24 is twice 12, which is a number of governmental authority that they're ruling and they have charge of certain things. I think this is a group of people that here on earth took that particular responsibility and judged things according to the books of heaven and the courts of heaven. And what, the degree that we rule and reign with him now is going to determine the degree that we're going to rule and reign with him throughout all eternity. Amen. Amen. So there's a challenge to us today to surrender ourselves to him, surrender ourselves to his will, surrender ourselves to the destiny and purpose that was written before the foundation of the world. There's a challenge to us today to be in cooperation with what he has issued and what he's written about us. Is that what you would like to do? Or do you want to live in rebellion to him? Do you want to try to take it into your own hands? I think I've fought a lot of battles out of my own strength. I really do. Just out of ignorance and just thought, jumped up and said, I'm going to take, I'll take care of this thing. And then realize, well, wait a minute, what's not working here? And, what, and when it's not working, then we step back and we try to figure out, okay, what am I doing wrong? Something must not be working right. I know God works for me. Romans 8, 28 says, For all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I know it's going to work good for me. It's going to help me find out how I need to approach this thing better. Do I need to hit harder or do I need to get a judgment? Now, there's a time for the battlefield. As I said last week, we are kings and priests. A priest intercedes before the throne and for the, in behalf of the people. And so a priest comes before the throne and before the court and intercedes and gets that judgment, gets that to, to pass on then to here on earth. A king then rules with, with dominion and authority. A king decrees. Uh, a priest intercedes. And so we got to know when to intercede and then as kings then to come and decree. And that's when we decree those things. And whatever is bound on earth, what's prohibited here on earth is prohibited in heaven because it's already been written. Whatever is loosed or prohibited here on earth is loosed in heaven because it's already been written in the books. So we come down then to decree what is written. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the ecclesia, the church, the body of believers who have been set apart with divine authority. Hallelujah. The gates of hell, all that hell has to offer, all the authority of hell cannot prevail against the church, the body of Christ, the believers who have been called to be kings and priests, who function in accordance with the will and testimony of the courts of heaven here on earth. We've got to know, as I said last week, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. We've got to know when to intercede and know when to decree a thing to be in existence. And a lot of times I think we got it out of out of place we've been decreeing 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 and we're doing that as we're backing up <laughs> and then we run over here oh god and then we intercede he says you intercede first you get the judgment first and then you take that ruling and you go out and you then establish my dominion my purpose my destiny let's pray this morning hallelujah Father, I thank you that your grace will empower me to live a godly, in a godly manner in this present age. Father, your word says in Titus chapter 2, 
for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Father, your grace that's been given to us enables us, it teaches us to say no to these things. Father, we've got to step away from our own will, step away from our own way, to live a godly life before you, not for our salvation, but, Father, for the authority, your authority to flow through us, that we can be sensitive to your will and your purpose. Thank you that for by grace are we saved through faith. It's not of works or we'd be boasting about it. But Father, that because we are saved, we're called to live a holy life. And your grace will empower us to live that in a godly manner. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives here in this life, in this present age. While we wait, he goes on to say, for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. While we wait for your coming, we are to be representatives of you, living in such a way that you can work through us. If you're here this morning and maybe there's something in your life that would be hindering the purpose and the will of God, I challenge you today just to present it to God before the throne of grace. By His blood, He has saved us, but by His blood, He has cleansed us. He's given to us that power to be washed white as snow. All we have to do, his word says, if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So if you're aware of something in your life that you haven't confessed to the Lord, then do it now. And then receive forgiveness for those things. Receive forgiveness, and then it's gone. It's erased. The Bible says that it's removed as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't remember it anymore, so don't you worry about it anymore, and don't allow the devil to use it against you in a way that would try to bring about timidity in your life, that you think that God wouldn't work for you. When you confess it, then receive his forgiveness. Can you do that right now? If you're a child of God and you realize that there's sin in your life, confess that sin to him. And let him forgive you that you might stand before him in righteousness. He has justified us just as if I'd never sinned is how he, de he declares us, how he looks at us because of what Jesus Christ has done. And he sets us apart. So be set apart. His word says, be holy as I am holy. Be set apart and be holy as I am holy. You say, well, I I've tried, but I just can't do that. Were you fallen? Then confess that to him and allow him to forgive you of that and get up and walk in a newness of life. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 to count yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God. That part of your old nature that 
wants to sin, say, I'm dead to that. I don't live, that's not part of me anymore. I'm alive to God. God lives in me. He lives in me. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you that you cleanse us. I thank you that you wash us. Thank you that you remove this. If you're here today and you've, you're not sure that you're a child of God, you're not sure that you're a believer, that you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to ask you today to, to receive him and to know that he is your Savior, that he saved you from the penalty and guilt of sin that has been issued for all of those who have not received him as the Son of God and his payment for sin of the world by dying on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. He rose to enable us to live for him. If you've never received Jesus and you're not sure of eternity, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity with him, can you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm not sure. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but I, I, I just have really never professed that. But I want to do it now. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Anybody here this morning? You're not sure. You're not sure. Well, amen. Looks like everybody is a child of God today. Father, we thank you today that we can walk in newness of life with you. Help us today. Help us to surrender to your will. Help us to realize that prayer is really unlocking the books of heaven. It's not so much informing you or convincing you of our needs, but it's really cooperating with you and allowing you legal right to fulfill your purpose and your passion for us here on the earth. Father, give us a greater revelation of the courts of heaven and what you desire to do in us and through us. So we're surrendering to you right now. If you're doing that, you're praying that with me. Why don't you just raise your hand to the Lord and just say, Father, I'm surrendering to you today and to your will and your purpose and what's written in these books of heaven. I'm surrendering to it. Amen, amen, amen. Well, will you stand with me this morning? Let me just pronounce a blessing upon you as you go forth. We go out of this place to be light that dispels darkness. Light of the world. Amen. God is so good, and, and uh, He has planned and purposed everything that we need to be effective and to be victorious in Him. Let's take advantage of it. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for this people that have come. They've set their day apart today for you. They've set this time apart for you. Father, there's other things that they could have done. But, Father, they decided that they would come and spend this time with you and hearing your word and worshiping you and, and receiving from you. So, Father, I thank you to bless them, Father. Bless them. Bless them a lot, Father. And, Father, I thank you that now we know how to, to come before you, that you hear us and that you answer prayer. Father, help us to be better prayer warriors. Help us to be better intercessors. And, and so, Father, we're going to hear your voice and, and uh, do your will. I thank you for this people now, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Greet somebody today and, and tell them you're glad to be with them in church. If there's somebody here that, that you don't know, well, introduce yourself to them.